children are dismissed to the toddlers and children's churches. Psalm 1. And this is a passage that we've gone to several times. Uh, uh, and it, I, I like to call this the Psalm for Life. A song for life. That's what the word psalm means. It's just a song. These were originally written to be sung. And uh, there is no greater way to learn God's Word, to memorize it, <clears throat> than to uh, sing it. And, and yet, uh, all of the melodies and the music of the psalms has been lost. But the words are still preserved for us and we need to pay attention to them. Psalm 1 and only six verses, and let's just read the entire psalm as we get started this morning. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous." But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible at all, you're familiar with the Psalms. And, and uh, got an interesting phone call just last week from a man who claimed, uh, as I said, every so often I get calls and he claimed to be under witchcraft. And he said, well, I, 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 I read the Psalms. And I said, using your Bible as a charm, is not going to help you. And try to explain to him that the Bible is not a trinket. It's not a toy to be played with. You don't sit here and just uh, wave it at the devil or read its words to the devil and he'll go away. I said, he knows the Bible far better than any human being ever has. I said, when we start using the Bible as a toy or a, a charm or a trinket, we just paint a big target on ourselves. I say, God's Word was never meant to be used that way. It was meant to be lived. Pretty soon he said, well, I'm just wasting my time. I said, you're wasting mine too. Uh, we're, we're not interested in playing games with the Bible. It's meant to be lived. And this psalm here, it's amazing to me. How many people say, Oh, I love the spirit of Christmas and, and we want to keep the spirit of Christmas every day. Well, could I ask you what the spirit of Christmas really is? For unto you is born this day in Bethlehem a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Uh, that's the spirit of Christmas, isn't it? And, and we can live in that spirit every day. And we don't even need Santa Claus or Rudolph to light the way. Uh, all we need to do is understand that our Lord Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem's manger 
to save us from our sins. I love that song that they sang today, not just on Christmas Day, but all the year through. You know, that's what the world says they want. Till you mention the name Jesus. Oh, well, we don't want to be too dogmatic about things. You know, it's really strange if you go to a doctor and you get treatment. Wouldn't you like your doctor to be rather convinced that what he's going to do is going to help you? How many would go to a doctor that says, Well, I'm not quite sure if this will work or not, but it's worth a try. Anybody want to go to a doctor like that? Uh, I'll tell you what. We're rather particular about certain things, but when it comes to God, we get really... I don't even know the word that you could... Careless would probably be the best word. We, we just kind of, oh, that's okay. No, it's not okay. We're not dealing with something physical on this earth. We're dealing with God. This is the most serious thing that we deal with. And if we want this spirit, if we want this truth, right here in this psalm here, in these six verses, it describes... Literally everything you need to know about how to live for God. It says, blessed is the man. Now, I met a fellow one time. He says, I I bless each one of my children before I put them to bed at night. And I said, really? Yes. He says, I lay my hands and I say good thing about my kids. The only problem was I knew his kids. They weren't good kids. Uh... And, and and I try, it's it's so hard sometimes to be a pastor because you, you have to destroy people's fantasies. You have to sometimes shock them a little bit so that they'll embrace the truth. And many times that doesn't work because fantasy is always... Easier to embrace than the truth is, isn't it? I mean, I don't even know why we make mirrors. I, I look in it and I put my hair in place and glue it down so it doesn't move. And uh, that's about the only good a mirror is because uh, what I see in the mirrors really isn't what's there. I mean, they, they tell us that men are far worse than women about this thing. Uh, women at least do something about it. Us guys, we... <laughs> Still there, just like it was 50 years ago. No, it isn't. Uh, We just pretend. Fantasy is always much more inviting than the truth. But here, this verse says here, blessed. That's what you want. And, And I challenged this man. I said, what goodness do you have? What powers do you possess that you think you can bless your kid, your children, By just speaking to them. And he got rather indignant with me. Well, well, I'm just being a a good father and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm, I said, you want me to tell you how I bless my kids? I said, I make sure they're in church on Sunday morning. That's how I bless my kids. And when they do something wrong, I show up as soon as I find out about it 
and let them know about it. I, I hope that my children have gotten the same education I got from my father and and and, uh, and if you have children, this, if you care about your children, you want to teach them the meaning of two words. You want to teach them the, the meaning of the word no and the meaning of the word now. If you get those two things down, you've accomplished much more than our New York City public school ever thought of accomplishing at a cost of over $9,000 per student per year. Could you imagine that? And, uh, and uh, they know how to spell those words when I'm done because it's very close. No, it's just N-O, and now you just put a W on the end. And uh, I'll tell you, how many of you work with somebody that does not know the meaning of the word no or now? Everyone here should be raising their hand. You all do, unless you don't work. You work with people like that, and they frustrate things incredibly. We, we need to leave at 3 o'clock. 3.30? Okay, I'm ready to go. Well, the day's gone. How in the world can we get this done before quitting time? Oh, that's okay. We'll just do it tomorrow. Uh, that kind of stuff doesn't go over very well in real life. And here's what we need to do. Is we need to stop looking to ourselves for the solutions. That's one of the things that just scares me so much about American politics in the last 25, 30 years. Is we have people that say, we are the answer. I'll tell you what. Or we have our current president for the next couple of weeks that says, we are the problem. And neither one of them are right. The problem is sin. The answer is God. Now, wouldn't that solve the hatred and fighting in the Middle East? Uh, If we could just go over and inject the UN with, uh, if you could put that in a serum and inject those people in the UN with it, uh, it really would be an organization of peace instead of bloodshed and murder and all kinds of terrible crimes against humanity. And yet right here, the Bible tells us how to be blessed. How to have the blessings of God on your life. You want to bless your children, you follow Psalm 1. You you want to be a blessing to the people that you live. Let's look at what it says here. Number one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, let's just stop and think about that for a minute. Let's look at what those words say. Blessed is the man that walketh not. And as we look at that verse, how many of you uh, have thought about life? Those of you that have taken a, a moment to ponder your own life and New Year's is a good time to do that. We walk through life, do we not? And as we walk through life, we get so much advice. I mean, if you want to know something, uh, our new generation, the millennials, all you have to do is Google search it. 
Uh, one of my kids was writing a term paper just for Christmas. He said, can I use Wikipedia as a source? I said, no. That, that does not count as a real source for anything. Uh, you, you, you can get some information there, but certainly don't count on it for being very true or, or being very honest or any of these other things. You, you need to spend uh, uh, some time researching the facts here. You know, the ungodly are not wrong about everything. But they're never completely right. That's the problem. I've met people over the years and, and have talked with them and they'll say, you, you don't know what help I've gotten from AA or NA or one of those AA groups. And, and I say, you know what, I'm glad for every person that has been helped to stop drinking through AA or gambling through GA or uh, narcotics and drugs through NA and all these different organizations. But here's the problem. Once you stop the group, you usually restart the behavior. You just exchanged one addiction for another. Because... The whole purpose of those groups was established back in the 1920s by a doctor who could not help people who would not get saved. Uh, that was the time of the great revivals and, and uh, prohibition was the, the people of this country had uh, uh, voted to not sell alcohol in the United States, made it a crime to sell intoxicating beverages. And the, the preaching of some of these preachers, they would come in, and Billy Sunday uh, was a Presbyterian preacher. I mean, he would come in and preach for weeks, sometimes months in a town, and close down almost every bar in town. Not because people went up there with boards and nailed the door shut, or violence like some of those stories that you hear. But the bartenders couldn't sell enough liquor to keep the doors open because people weren't buying it because they had gotten saved. What kind of country would this have been in those days? As an amazing time. And this doctor and a few of his friends came up with AA because there were people who would not go to the church. They would not get on the temperance wagon, as they said. And they still wanted to get rid of their alcohol, so they made a way to pretend a God into existence, a greater power that could help you overcome your problems. And yet that's translated down into every part of our society today. When's the last time you heard someone Dear God in heaven, the God of Abraham, the God of Islam, the God of flies is who they're praying to. Because that's not the God of heaven. He does not have many names. There is only one God. He's the God of this book called the Bible. And if you're going to be blessed, 
you have to walk in His counsel instead of everyone else's. The world is... The best lies, let me put it this way, the best lies are 99.9% truth. Are they not? The more truth you can pack into a lie, the more believable it is. That's why some of our politicians are so unbelievable, because it's all untruth. Uh, They don't have any true part about it anymore. I mean, some of the good liars, they knew how to do it. And I'm not endorsing lying in any shape or form. Please understand, but if you're going to choose that route, wouldn't you rather be a good liar than a bad one? I mean, I don't understand this. Uh, Today, we have the worst liars in the world. You can see right through them because there's no truth at all in anything they say. And yet, you go to the quote-unquote Christian bookstore, not our bookstore, and there's shelf after shelf, self-help books. The last time I checked out this book, God was supposed to be my helper, not me. The answers are in here, in God's Word, not somebody else's book. This is why I constantly want to remind you, if you want to understand this book, start with one of these. You've got to read it. You've got to, and by the way, if you really want to understand the Bible, you're going to have to do a whole lot more reading than what this says to do. You're going to have to spend some time with the Lord. And the counsel of the ungodly is everywhere in everything. You see, the world cannot help you worship God. If we could just understand this, if I'd spend the whole sermon just on this one point. You see, this is why we shun, and this is why we refuse the contemporary music. Because it is worldly music. God cannot accept it. And therefore, worship in that, even though they call it praise and worship music, they're not praising nor worshiping the God of this book. They're praising and worshiping a God that they have created in their own minds. That's, that's why we don't tell you to go to Christian psychologists. Because psychology does not have the answer God's Word does. Now, if you have something physical wrong, yes, go to a doctor by all means. Take medicine. It's helpful. But make sure that we seek God first. If you ever have to have surgery, I hope you pray for your surgeon before you go under the knife. I do. I have, and we pray as a church because we believe that a well-trained surgeon is a good thing. We don't want to. We don't want someone that's practicing. Amen. But let me tell you, we pray that God will do the work, and we entrust His hands to guide the surgeon's hands. Amen. You see, we don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. 
the number one lie that the world tells us, it's going to get better. It's just going to get better. Let me ask you a question. Now, I've I've only lived 52 years. It hasn't gotten better in my lifetime. My dad told me of a day the cars didn't have keys. Just had a button on the floor. Because no one would steal a car. I had a friend that kept the keys of his car. He lived out in the country. He'd hang it on the turn signal switch. I said, how do you keep from locking your keys in your car? He says, you never, we don't lock anything here. We don't have to worry about it. We're so far out, nobody bothers us. Well, where I grew up, you'd better lock the keys. In the house, not in the car, amen? Uh, Otherwise, somebody's going to get in and take off with it. But the simple truth of the matter is, the world is not going to help us to God. Let's not go to the world to try to find out how we can appeal to the world. Let's walk in God's... It said, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, what's the next one? Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, the, uh, the primary issue here, the primary understanding of, of this passage is we're not supposed to get as close to the world as we can without falling in. And yet, that's where most Christians want to live. You can follow history. Do you know in 1929, ladies, if you exposed your ankles on the beach, you would be arrested for indecent exposure. And I know they show all those pictures or whatever, but that, those were the rules at Jones Beach. Now, I wouldn't dare take my kids there today. I wouldn't dare take me there today in the summertime because of the things that I would see and the things that I would be exposed to. Don't get as close as you can to the world because the world is changing. It's always changing. Uh, I've used this example. The big talk of today is Global warming, is it not? How many of you are old enough to remember the coming ice age in grade school? That the sun was going to go out and we were all going to freeze to death. I remember crying in April one year. We got a late snowstorm and I said, what the teacher said is going to happen. We're all going to freeze. And fortunately, my mother was there and she got out the Bible and said, that's not going to happen. Don't believe your teacher. Believe the Bible. Okay. Now they're telling us that we're all going to melt. and We're all going to burn up. And uh, neither one is true. The world does not know. Don't stand in the way of sinners. And by the way, 
we have a small group of people who feel that it's their uh, duty to run out into the world and try to stop people from sinning. This would be the other meaning of standing in the way of sinners. You know what? I've not met a one of them that hasn't eventually joined the sinners. You see, there's a different way to combat sin in our society. It's God's way, not our way. We don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We're not to stand in the way of sinners. And we're not to sit in the seat of the scornful. The word scorn means to speak or behave contemptuously, to use derisive language, to jeer. Let me just quote, uh, read John, a couple verses out of James for you. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The end of verse Peter 5.5 5 says, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. 5.6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, there, there will be a time when Jesus will rule and reign, and when... His truth will pervade over all the earth. The Bible calls that the millennial reign of Christ. Hasn't happened yet. That's been the one problem with so many religions is they feel that it's their job to bring in the kingdom of God. That's why the Crusades were fought in the Middle Ages. Don't study the history of the Crusades. It is one of the most vile and perverse of all of human history as people went out to spread righteousness. And conquer in the name of the Pope. We have a war on terror now where the uh, religion of Islam believes that they're going to bring the entire world under the, denomin- under the domination of the Islamic religion. Let me tell you something. I'm not here, and I'm glad as a Baptist that I can tell you historically, the Baptists have never, ever taken arms to fight a religious war. Because they understand enough about the Bible to know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That if we're going to win the battle, we have to overcome evil with good, not using the world's techniques. Yes, there are times when as a a man, a godly man, you have to take up weapons and fight. Read through the New Old Testament. David was a great warrior and a great lover of the Lord. And he protected his people Israel. But that's a whole other subject. But we don't advance the Bible through. That's walking in the counsel of the ungodly. I met a preacher one time. He says, ah, ah, I'm going to be ready when it happens. And I went, oh boy. I'll tell you what, that was one of the scariest churches I had ever been in. Because they were all concerned about when it was going to happen and how they were going to protect themselves. Could I challenge you, if God doesn't protect you, you won't protect you? 
and, and we need to uh, we need to take uh, honest and and available methods to keep ourselves safe. Yes, but it doesn't depend on you; it depends on God. Amen. You see. The man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of the scornful, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, Christmas is just past. How many of you still have some little delights stuck somewhere left over from Christmas? Uh, somebody got me a little box of chocolates. And I got that thing, and every once in a while, I'll just go get one. Uh, They're not going to last very long, but we'll see about that. Uh, We delight in certain things. What if the Word of God was more delightful to you than cheesecake? How do you get there? You have to understand every good thing in your life comes from this book. You can't improve on this book. Every good thing that has ever happened to you has happened because of obedience to this book. If you're a Christian, If you've never experienced that, I want to challenge you. You need to get to know Jesus as your Savior. Because there is nothing more wonderful. I mean, stop and think about... We did a little story last night at our our fellowship on the history of this year. And it was all about work and building. But I I think about... Now, Roger Hoffman has been a, a builder from Cleveland... Yeah, he works there at the church for many, many years. He's built buildings for missionaries all over the world. And he came here, and as we were walking through the building, trying to figure out a few things uh, the week before Christmas, uh, he said, I just don't understand how you guys do it up here. He said, it makes no sense to me at all. And I'm sitting there going, you know, Sometimes you get so busy doing the work, you stop, you don't see the miracles that God's doing. And you need to stop and you need to understand that every good thing that happened there is because of God's Word. My kids, we were doing some woodworking projects for Christmas this year, and the kids were going, did your dad teach you how to do this stuff? I said, no, my my dad didn't have a chance to teach me how to do these things. Well, how did you learn? Well, I kind of got the skills as I needed them to serve the Lord. That's how I got them. And you see, God will do those things if we delight ourselves in the Word of God He'll take care of problems that we face. He will bring people into your life that can give you the information that you need. The word delight simply means to give great pleasure or enjoyment, to please highly. I read that definition and I think of one thing primarily. 
cannolis. I mean, you, you, if you've not experienced cannolis, you need to do so. Uh, they, they are wonderful things they, they, uh, until you get on the scale after you've eaten them. Uh, then, then it's not so wonderful. But uh, the truth of the matter is, if you're going to delight in the law of God, here's what it says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. How many of you have ever heard, oh, that book, that Bible's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, the writer of this psalm, David, we believe, said, I meditate in God's laws day and night. He said, that's where I meditate is in the do's and the don'ts. You will have more freedom as a human being following God's laws than you ever could doing whatever you wanted. You read Psalm 119. He said, I find thy commandment exceeding broad. If we will meditate, if we will follow, and and meditation is simply putting active thought processes to this thing. It says day and night. We we make so many, quote-unquote, little decisions that change so much. Whereas if we had the Word of God first, it would answer our problems for us. It would give us the direction that we need. And here in verse 3 it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, I want you to think about this. The... Bible says that that blessed man is going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. How many have ever been down in in the southern parts of this country and and have seen a live oak tree? You know what I mean by a live oak tree? It's it's a very unusual tree. It has little tiny leaves. Most oak trees have big leaves. And uh, down south in southern Georgia, Florida... Uh, I saw uh, several years ago, we were driving through Texas and we stopped at the Alamo. And there in the, uh, where the Alamo once stood, uh, they had a live oak tree that was actually growing when Davy Crockett was there. The thing was huge. And the thing about a live oak, it's not like the oaks up here that drop their leaves and they change in the fall. They keep their leaves, they grow All year round. This thing was huge. In fact, it had grown so large that they had had to put supports in to keep parts of the tree from actually breaking off the main trunk of the tree. And and, uh, our, our shipbuilders early in the history of our country understood those long, slow growing process. And they built our first Navy ships from live oak. That's why they called... Uh, the USS Constitution, the first ship in our Navy, Ironsides, because of the flexibility in that oak, the cannonballs would literally bounce off the sides of her. It was an amazing thing. And this is what the Bible says. It says, you want to be like one of those live oak trees? You just keep growing. And by the way, 
Contrary to all the fairy tales, trees don't talk, trees don't move, trees don't walk. They, they, they just kind of are stationary. There's a truth there for us. We have so many people who want to change the world. But they're unwilling to let God change them. You see, God's method of changing the world is not through radicalization. It's from Him changing you. You see, you, you want me to tell you what the devil loves the most? It's when we give him attention. Do you want to get the devil to leave you alone? You get close enough to Jesus and I'll tell you this, he'll never touch you. You get all of your attention on Christ and on his word. And the devil cannot bother you. That's how many of our forefathers who believed this book and were imprisoned and tortured and had terrible, terrible things happen to them. That's how they endured those things because they were close enough to the God of this Bible that the hand of the world could not reach them. You want to be protected? Become like that tree that's planted there by the rivers of water the roots run deep. The tree is able to continue growing and bring forth the fruit in his season. And it says, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And that's not doing what you want to do. Don't read yourself into this psalm. We already got past that. The counsel of the ungodly, the way of the sinners, the seed of the scornful, those things are removed from this blessed man. A tree is stationary. It doesn't move. But I'll tell you what. You get down in that southern Texas desert country. I mean, it's hot and everything. You find you one of them big old live oaks under there. It's 20 degrees cooler in the shade. Let me tell you something. God wants us to be solid. He wants us to be planted. He wants us to be so much more concerned with Him than we are with the world. Here's why. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. I hate to bring up politicians, but they're such wonderful illustrations of the word ungodly. How many of us have gotten upset at politicians who lick their finger and find out which way the wind is blowing and then say, hey, that's what side I'm on. I don't know about you, but that frustrates me. If you're going to be whatever you're going to be, be what, uh, tell us what you're going to be. Don't be dishonest about it. Don't be changing sides. Uh, what was that one candidate had a couple of flip-flops follow him everywhere he went because everything he did, he kept changing? I mean, there's a lot of humor there if you're, uh, if you're willing to laugh at the foolishness of men. But the Bible said a thousand years before Jesus was born in this psalm, 
that the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. They're going to be moved. That's why when something terrible happens, they're all running to pass some new law or to do something to stop this terrible problem. I'll take our church back to 9-11. We're still doing the same things today that we were doing before 9-11. We didn't have to change anything. Because we were already doing what was right. You see, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Because they can't. Can you imagine what it would be like to face a holy God without Jesus Christ as your Savior? Just stop and think about that for a moment. We have many, many people who think they're going to, I'm just going to give God a piece of my mind. He doesn't need it. You better keep it for yourself, please. You're not going to do that when you stand before God. All he has to do is get out ten commandments. And every one of us fall utterly short. And then God can say, what are you going to do with the other 603? Because they're all equal commandments in the law. You can't get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. We have, the Bible says that whose glory is their shame. And that certainly describes American culture today, does it not? The most shameful things that were not even spoken of even uh, just a few decades ago when I was a teenager now are trumpeted and, and worn proudly as badges of honor down the streets and all of these things. People used to hide their sin. They don't anymore. It says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You know, God is going to make a difference. Always has between the righteous and the unrighteous. My friend, you've got to choose where you're going to be. So I'm not choosing. No, you've already chosen. If you're here for Sunday school, we're talking about Pharaoh and how God destroyed the land of Egypt. Why did God do that? Because Pharaoh had already chosen he would not believe in the God of Israel. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'll tell you, you read through this psalm, it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Those three things. And yet, how much of our life does that encompass? And it says, if we'll turn our back on the world and turn our heart toward this book, 
that we'll be blessed. I've had some people say, you just, you just had a lucky life. I said, no. Every good thing in my life has been because of obedience to this book. There is no such thing as luck. God does not love one person more than He does another. Say, why do some people suffer and some people just things work out for them and other people nothing works out for them? I'll challenge you. You get a hold of this book and you're going to be like that tree, you know, there's something about a tree that's planted. If a tree is planted, that means someone had to plant it now, doesn't it? Amen? How many of that was a shock to you? <laughs> Nothing exciting or new here, but let me tell you something. God wants to plant you where He wants to use you. And He will do it if we'll... Get our eyes off the world. And He'll establish our way and He will use us in ways that will bring glory and honor to Him. This, this little psalm here, six verses. Most of us know it. Many of us in this room could quote it. But I was praying what to preach this morning. I just kept coming back to Psalm 1. I'll tell you one thing I needed to review. How about you? There's so much in our world. The counsel of the ungodly, the way of the sinners, the seed of the scornful. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be like that tree. I want to be stuck good and deep. I want, I don't want to do all kinds of incredible things. What I want to do is what God wants me to do. And that's the answer. That's the answer for your life. That's the answer for our family. That's the answer for our country. It's the answer for what you're going to do during this coming year. If we'll just walk in the words of this little song. And all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before.